Welcome, you're listening to A Pop of Psych, a fun and educational podcast about the interdisciplinary applications of psychology. Hello listeners, welcome to the 19th episode of A Pop of Psych. My name is Michelle and I am your host for today's episode, which will be about beauty and psychology. We will also be mentioning beauty standards and discuss the Korean webtoons True Beauty and My ID is Gangnam Beauty as they discuss the role of beauty in Korean culture. I hope these are interesting topics and pop culture examples, so please stay tuned. We say that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but in reality, that only constitutes a small fraction of what beauty psychologically is. Instead, beauty is more determined by the mind. And in this episode, when I say beauty, I am referring to all genders, um, but conventionally mostly men and women. So I wish that these research studies obviously took into account all genders, but um, being attractive has nothing to do with your gender, but um, many of the research studies that I will reference um, conventionally uh, talk about attractiveness when it comes to men and women, so that's that. Um, And I believe it has been established from uh, many popular numerous research studies and even on popular media as well um, that kind of say that being attractive makes it easier to survive in this world and if you think about it it doesn't matter what age or background you are attractiveness does play a role in human judgment and how people will perceive you and how you perceive others for better or for worse and there's actually a term for it called the effect heuristic and psychologists also for refer it to as the halo effect like the name implies the halo effect causes one trait and in our case beauty to drastically color our perception of other traits of that other individual so for instance if you consider someone attractive you are also likely to assume that this individual is smart ambitious interesting hardworking, and etc just a bunch of a positive ad These are assumptions that humans make automatically after deeming a face attractive. According to a study conducted by Ingrid Olson and Christy Marshwest at the Center for Cognitive Neuroscience at the University of Pennsylvania, the brain is a skilled detector of beauty. And in their study, when participants were presented with both attractive and unattractive faces for a mere 13 milliseconds, they were able to judge the face's attractiveness level um, accurately, meaning that they judged the attractiveness in accordance with the experimenters' pre-assessed ratings. And these ratings obviously took the experimenters' time to come up with. And even though these participants were obviously not consciously aware of the stimuli. So this goes to show that the participants believed that they were really guessing, but actually their unconscious brain already knew from a single glance which face was immediately more attractive. And personally, when I read this study, I was intrigued. Um, So this study is from 2005. Um, It was conducted in 2005. And I'm not too sure if Olsen and Marshwest did a follow-up study. I'm sure they did, but um, I didn't read up on it. It, but I'd love to know the neuroscience and underlying bio behind it. Basically, what brain scans might tell us essentially regarding how the brain is able to just take mere milliseconds to judge a face's attractivity, attractiveness, my bad. But yeah, I'm just curious about what in the human brain might cause this effect. 
And also just quickly going back to the title of the episode, I do think that beauty is also in the eye of the beholder, but this is just to a certain extent. There's enough scientific literature on this particular subject about the universal agreement about what constitutes a pretty or handsome face. Um, This sentiment may come at a surprise to those who believe that individual experience and cultural upbringings shape one standard of beauty, and I also believe this is true to an extent. Um, However, a universal beauty bias is already present starting from infancy, and to me this also makes sense in conjunction with the aforementioned study about a glance being sufficient enough to glean and judge attractiveness. So in this other study conducted by a team at the University of Texas at Austin, it was found that uh, six-month-olds preferred to to look at the same relatively attractive faces that adults do. And these six-month-olds have amazing neuroplasticity, but by no means have absorbed a wealth of cultural upbringing and have endured life experiences to actually acquire a unique sense of beauty. Instead, what is considered attractive is simply ingrained, so there must be an evolutionary factor in judging beauty, which also makes sense, to me at least. All of these just make sense. Um... Yeah, and so in the next segment, I will discuss what exactly humans consider beautiful and touch upon this aforementioned evolutionary factor. So what is beautiful, handsome, and attractive to our brains? First, I'll touch upon the role of symmetry. It is rare for faces to be completely symmetrical. Countless minute variables make many faces just somewhat asymmetrical for the vast majority of people. Directional asymmetries are common among the population. For example, the left side of most people's faces is slightly larger than their right. But many asymmetries, called fluctuating asymmetries, arise when one unfolding genetic program is disrupted during development. Environmental challenges and other obstacles during one's life can contribute to fluctuating asymmetries. This means that for those who have close to 100% symmetrical faces are faces that have withstood the struggles of life because that means that they have they don't have um, the fluctuating asymmetries at all that have to do with your environment. Um, also, according to evolutionary psychologists, symmetrical faces are considered to be the result of the artistry of good genes just coming together. Moreover, something that I found interesting that I came across during my research was about the averageness of a face. According to researchers at the University of Texas at Austin, again, um, I guess they love doing beauty research, um, when presented with individual faces and a composite of those individual faces, participants will judge the composite more attractive than the individual, more distinctive faces. The more faces that contribute to the composite, the more attractive it became to these participants. Therefore, the researchers concluded that the most attractive faces actually have features that are closest to the average in the population. According to researchers from the University of Otago Dunedin, New Zealand, and the University of Western Australia, averageness, like symmetry, is reflective of favorable genetic endowment. So from an evolutionary standpoint, those with average features are less likely to be carrying potentially 
harmful mutations. Also, these researchers asserted that average faces are faces that have prototypical features, and prototypical features are more familiar looking, and therefore they are easier to process. This means that such averageness is easy on the eyes, which also means that it will be easy on the brain, and easy on the brain translates to ah, attractive person. Also, according to a study conducted by researchers from two different cultures, Maputo, Mozambique, and in Toulouse, France, I butchered those two um, cities and countries, my bad, skin tone does not play a huge role in judging beauty. Skin tone is simply another factor alongside other facial features. I find this study interesting and I hope more follow-up studies are conducted because I'm curious as to what this finding may imply or say about colorism and its origins. If paler and whiter skin tones are actually not the hugest determining factor in judging beauty, then the societal, uh, societal and historical reasons must have played an extremely, extremely large role in shaping a biased conventional Eurocentric beauty standard. But that's just my extrapolation and two cents. Before I move on to the last discussion segment, I also wanted to provide a neuroscience tidbit to add and enhance our understanding. So the reason why us humans react and respond to attractive faces involves the amygdala of our brains. The amygdala detects the value of social stimuli and its activation in the brain. Um and in the brain and has been associated with greater discounting of future rewards. And according to a team of researchers from the University of St. Andrews and the Royal Free Hospital School of Medicine in London, this particular brain area shows much stronger activation to attractive faces than to more slightly ugly ones. However, another interesting um, thing about this is the fact that this is a U-shaped relationship. So the amygdala activates when it also comes across a highly unattractive face. Um, and lastly, I just wanted to add that um, emotions, the emotions that our faces project can also either increase or decrease our attractiveness. So there's scientific evidence that actually supports the case for smiling in order to appear more attractive. So yeah, just keep that in mind, guys. And now I will finally move on to the last discussion segment. <laughs> In this last segment, I'll start by introducing the premises of the two webtoons I wanted to discuss today. So here's the, uh, here's the shortened version of the synopsis of True Beauty from their fandom wiki, Verbatim. Coming from a good-looking family, Chugyong is very self-conscious about her looks. In middle school, she was ostracized and bullied for not conforming to the norm's beauty standard. Once, she transformed her appearance with makeup and was embraced in high school as the, quote, pretty girl. She became very insecure about her real bare face. Because her life improved due to her makeup looks, uh, Chugyong is very worried about other dis other people discovering her bare face. Unless she is alone or with family, she never leaves home without makeup on. 
At school, she maintained her pretty girl image by faking her personality, such as lying about her music preferences and eating small portions during lunch. At home, she shed her image and reverted to her, quote, geeky self, spending her time reading comics, listening to alternative rock music, and eating fatty foods like fried chicken. Because of her past, Chugyeong believes that romance is only possible for her if her partner is unaware of her true face. She is a little superficial, believing that beauty is correlated to having a good personality. However, she does not discriminate against those who are deemed less beautiful by Korean standards, and she looks past their imperfections and sees their inner beauty and uh that concludes the verbatim synopsis from the true beauty wiki fandom wiki and um i have a lot to say about it but before going into it um i will now be telling you guys the synopsis verbatim again for my ideas kangnam beauty and um just to clarify these are by two different authors um but um these are like kind of popular cliche premises i want to say um yeah so that's that and yeah i'll actually get into the synopsis now this is a story of kang mire um a girl once bullied for her looks mire starts mire decides she wants to get a fresh start and gets plastic surgery to transform her face when she becomes a college student she meets Do Gyeongseok from their middle school days who sees people for what they are on the inside and not on the outside. He then becomes attracted to Kang Mire. As Mire begins to get teased once more and labeled as a Kangnam beauty for getting plastic surgery, Gyeongseok becomes the one person that stands up for her. In the process, Mire begins to recover her lost confidence and discovers that true beauty is not about what's on the outside. And... That's a synopsis, but I just want to say it should be noted that the Korean term Gangnam beauty or Gangnam mean is derogatory and refers to women who have become beautiful by plastic surgery. The Gangnam refers to the Gangnam area, um, an area in Gangnam Seoul, which is famous for its many um, plastic surgery clinics. So that's a bit of cultural context right there. And now... The webtoons sound very similar in premise and plot because they actually are, in my opinion. In fact, both live-action drama remakes of the webtoons casted the same male lead, Chanu, but that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> I believe that both Mire and Chugyeong judged themselves too harshly. Um, as fictional characters, I can't really gauge their actual faces, but that's also besides the point. Because while not being attractive by conventional standards is certainly disappointing, I admit there is more to life than that. And I sound preachy, but... Um, and while both characters had a past of being bullied for their quote-unquote ugly looks, I think that's an obvious reflection of society's problems and its judgmental um, aspect. This is a circular type of point I realize that I'm making, but I hope that this at least emphasizes the problem with beauty standards. Um, yes. And yes, the world is unfair, but as I said, there's more to surviving in a society than with just looks. I'm a personal believer in judging people by their demeanors and, for lack of a better term, their vibes. While attractiveness certainly plays a role, I find that perhaps um, their style 
facial expressions, body language, tone of voice, and what the what um they talk about are much more useful in judging my favorability of another individual. And going back to the webtoons, as both are based on the extremely strict South Korean beauty standards, I also see why both characters resorted to means such as makeup or even plastic surgery to change their looks. I find no problem with either personally, but I find their mindsets more concerning. Obviously, like the fictional stories with happy endings that they are, both characters go through character development and learn to love themselves. Recovering confidence through makeup and plastic surgery is beneficial for these characters, but I really hope that the message of self-love and self-care resonates more with the young and impressionable audiences. Moreover, um, just to get a little more science back into the podcast, um, there was actually a Dove campaign and it had an accompanying study. And in that accompanying study for the Dove campaign, Um, The main finding was that we are also our own worst critics, and this can obviously have detrimental effects on mental health. When combined with bullying and strict standards of beauty, we must at least learn to love ourselves and give ourselves more credit. Our faces and bodies are simply vessels for expressing and doing what we want. Um, And so that concludes my little rant on South Korean beauty standards. I hope um, it was somewhat insightful, and now it is time for the outro. In the 19th episode of A Pop of Psych, we discussed the impacts of beauty in its halo effect as well as the evolutionary aspects of attractiveness and what is actually considered attractive according to science. I also briefly discussed the two South Korean webtoons, True Beauty and My ID is Gangnam Beauty, and how the notion of conventional beauty can harm us as we are our own worst critics. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode and please come back for more in the next two weeks.